Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, and always live on on the free Odyssey app, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good Saturday morning, Chicago. Welcome back inside the clubhouse right here on 670 The Score and your Odyssey app broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios. I am David Haw, along with Bruce Levine, talking baseball from 9 to 11 like we do most every Saturday. Today, recapping a Wrigley Field moment, a Cubs man of steel, a White Sox reliever's show of strength, and much, much more. But before we get to baseball, Bruce, we have some breaking news here on the score. Brought to you by BetQL. This is a huge story nationally. Today is Derby Day. And Kentucky Derby favorite Forte has been scratched from the race just hours before post time. Forte went through a morning workout, had the veterinary inspection, and they all decided no race for the favorite. Odds were around 3-1 to one for Forte. The, he was slated to start from the 15th position and Forte is scratched hours before the derby huge story nationally and let wanted to let everybody know because there are a lot of horse racing fans listening to baseball shows in the morning all around Chicago so Forte scratched from the derby now speaking of long shots Bruce Matt Mervis makes his debut at Wrigley what'd you think how are you doing well, I'm I'm still in shock about the the, the horse race here. So uh, just g- give me a, a chance to, uh, I, yeah, the Derby is such a, a huge event, and uh, you know to have the favorite scratched is a big deal. But uh, getting back to baseball, like we do almost 48, 49 weeks out of the year on Inside the Clubhouse, we uh, we will talk a little bit about the Matt Mervis Day and seeing you out there yesterday, David, doing your usual double duty of doing a, a five-hour show and then coming straight to the ballpark, you know, that's a, that's a work ethic of one uh, David Baugh. And it was great to see you there uh, welcoming Mervis. Mervis talked in the pregame for uh, an extended period of time. All the conversations was about were about him. Uh, I think the most telling thing before we get into the, the Mervis day, David, mm-hmm. was that uh, in the pregame that, uh, that David Ross had, uh, he talked uh, at the end of his conference at length about the fact that 
he had to sit down with Eric Hosmer and let him know that he is now a bench player and that, uh, indeed, Matt Mervis, this is not a one-day experiment. Matt Mervis is up here to play first base every day for the Chicago Cubs. So uh, this is not one of those, hey, the kid's coming up, let's take a look at him. He needs more seasoning. He has to go back to AAA. Nope, this is about him being the next first baseman coming up from the farm system. And, David, you're going to have to remind me the last time that the Chicago Cubs had their own homegrown first baseman come in uh, and and play an extended period of time in the major league level. Well, Bruce, that's, that's thinking, going back a long way. I'm thinking Mark I, I don't Grace. Know that I, can, I, I think it had to be Mark Grace. But I think what happened yesterday, and it was a special one, because Matt Mervis comes up, there's a buzz around the ballpark. And it, it was fun to watch and to see him handle himself in the way that he did. It took a lot of people back to 2012 when Anthony Rizzo came up. But that was June. And Anthony Rizzo was acquired in a trade. And he had already played in the majors. And he had 23 home runs at the time in the minors before he came up. And that was be- the beginning of something that became very special. I don't know if Mervis is on that same track. You don't want to get too over our skis here. But when you saw the way that he handled everything – you understood why he has made this meteoric rise. He is somebody who is very self-aware, he's, he's very affable, and he's the guy that can blend in very quickly. But Bruce, it is remarkable. A year ago, he was beginning his baseball season in South Bend at the high A level, excelled at every level along the way, and there he was yesterday at Wrigley Field. Before we get to what he had to say afterward, because he did get a hit in his debut, and we want to hear from Matt Mervis, are you surprised that what you pointed out is, is, is very key, that he's going to come up to play. He's not going to be a spot starter. The, the expectation is he's going to be in the lineup every day. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, it, it certainly does. And, and I'll tell you why. You and I have talked since spring training about uh, you know the signing of Hosmer and the ascension of Matt or Mash Merv, Mervis, whichever way you want to play it. Um, I, like, I like MASH. And I, I kind of like MASH 22. You like MASH? Yeah. yeah. You, you, got, you know what? You have to be really good for a while to, to retain the, that type of moniker, don't you? I yes, mean, you do. Uh, yeah. So that, that's something out of, uh, you know, uh, Field of Dreams or one, one of those uh, TV movies. But nonetheless, uh, Mervis' ascension was quick, as you pointed out last year, you know, going three different levels. And the idea that... Um, he uh, is a farm system player, which is great for the Cubs, and, and we'll talk more at length about that as well. But uh, him coming up right now is part of the rebuild. So we go back to 2020, and you Darvish is traded uh, along, uh, along with uh, his catcher to San Diego for five players. Okay. Um, that was the beginning of the rebuild. We didn't know it ex- exactly then until 2021, how deep the rebuild was to go. And the other players, the, the Baez and the <clears throat> and uh, the Bryants and the Rizzos being dealt at that point. Now you're seeing new veterans coming into this team that are important. And now you're seeing the end result of the farm system being counted on to bring players up. So, what was lost in yesterday's game was the fact that uh, you had a young catcher from the farm system catching his second day in a row in the major leagues, <clears throat> making his debut a few days before that. 
in Miguel Amaya and, uh, and how he was the top-rated young player in the system four or five years ago before he got hurt, before COVID, and, uh, and how they've moved up so quickly with two farm system players. So the long-winded Chet Kopic answer to you, David, was and is the farm system and the rebuild is still a part of the 2023, 24, 25 Cubs. And they're moving forward with uh, the plan that Jed Hoyer and the front office had, and also the plan that uh, Tom Ricketts, the owner of the team, really had for this club uh, when they stopped signing free agents back in uh, 2019, 2020. Special day for Matt Mervis. He'll never forget it. And I think his parents were there to see it, which was cool too, Bruce, because as we found out during the game and and afterwards, some of the reporting from uh, from everyone that his parents were at BWI in Baltimore, ready to get to Columbus, Ohio, where the Iowa Cubs were playing. And then they found out he was getting promoted. Then they had to scramble and drive to Reagan Airport and fly to Chicago. And they were there to see him play. And I think that the fact that he was with the Cubs, Bruce, it, it, is, it is a good point, everything you just covered. Undrafted in 2020 isn't the same as undrafted every year because it was a shorter draft because of COVID and all those things. But what I found interesting was that Matt Mervis had choices and his, he came down to the Yankees or the Cubs. And at that point in time, that was before Anthony Rizzo was traded, but Matt Mervis had the presence of mind to look at these two options and anticipate that, you know what, they might be getting rid of Anthony Rizzo or he might be at the near the end of his career. And there might be an opening and an opportunity there. He was right. I don't know that he expected to be, you know, making his debut in 2023, three years later after that, but he picked the Cubs over the Yankees, and what a choice that turned out to be because now Rizzo is the first baseman for the Yankees, and Mervis took his place with the Cubs. Yeah, that's that's a good story that you bring up, David, and it's good reporting in your part as well. The idea that uh, <clears throat> this guy was going to give a, have a choice of two iconic places to go, and he ends up with the Cubs, and... <clears throat> It's just, uh, you know, another left-handed hitting first baseman with power, okay? So yeah. how far do you have to go back for the Chicago Cubs to have a left-handed hitting first baseman with power, okay? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I, uh, I'm not sure I really know that. I mean, you know, Henry Rodriguez played a little bit of first base here and there back in the day when he was around. But <clears throat> for them to have a power hitting uh, left-handed hitter at first base. I'm, I'm kind of lost in the history of that a little bit. So he played he, uh, first and he batted Brian LaHare for Brian LaHare for half the oh, season. Oh, wow. I hope that <laughs> I hope that he is a little bit uh, here longer than Brian LaHare was with due respect to the former All-Star first baseman. Did he make the All-Star team one Correct. year? Correct. Yes, he, yes did. he did. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Sean Sears, he's not in Next year, he was in Japan, yeah. <laughs> well, let's hope that Matt Mervis isn't in uh, J- Japan uh, next year facing Trevor Bauer. Um, let's look at yesterday, Bruce. The first couple of bats, he did look like somebody making his debut, maybe a little over-anxious. He, he talked about that afterward. That's natural because the adrenaline would be flowing. But he comes up, he gets one more at bat, bat his fourth one, and he gets a hit, and he drives in a run. And it was an insurance run. But even more than that, it was something that allowed him to exhale and to enjoy that experience and soak in the crowd that was chanting and that was wearing their T-shirts and taking in the moment was something that Matt Mervis talked about after the game. 
Yeah, I, I took a second to, to look up into the crowd and, and take that one in. Um, yeah, I, th I think I got chills and just teammates were going crazy. The crowd was going crazy. So um, that one was special. Bruce, you were there. How would you how would you uh, describe what he said about his earlier at bats and why he was able to connect there in the eighth inning? Well, obviously, any young guy is going to be nervous coming up, and and you're going to, uh, against top pitcher with the Marlins on top of it. Uh, the guy throws uh, 98, and he, he's got a changeup that's 92. Okay, so uh, that that's he's one of the tougher pitchers in the game. But on, on top of that, um, he was, uh, you know, he struck out twice. He weakly grounded out. You didn't want this, you know, people were looking at their game stories that they were ready to write and, you know, writing, you know, you know, not much happening with Matt Mervis in his debut. And <clears throat> he has, as you said, that go-ahead single. And it was a 111.2 miles per hour, David. <clears throat> so this was a barreled ball in... That's kind of what they look at for young players these days is, are you hitting the ball and are you barreling the ball? And this guy, when he barrels the ball, it goes a long way. And, and I think hopefully Cub fans are going to be watching him play for a long time at Wrigley Field. But the, the moment was a great one for the fans there and for him. And uh, just the, the uh, you know, how, how do you get better than Wrigley Field daytime on a Friday? Okay. A Friday day game that that's as that's as good as you get it wasn't a full house but it was you know 30,000 plus and it's just you know that is what Mervis took in that's what the Cub fans took in and ingratiated themselves uh you know to the to the guy right away I mean he really had a uh, a, a great feel for it and you know again uh talking to Ian Happ before and after the game he said hey that that's those are the reasons why people want to stay here at Wrigley Field. Uh, uh, talking to um, Wes Nutsky, uh yesterday, yep. he said to me, he said to me, you know what, win or lose, no matter what, these fans are behind you. And we have no idea about that until we come to Wrigley Field as players from other organizations and, and hear this and, and see it for ourselves. Cubs won four to one over the Marlins. White Sox also winners five to four down in Cincinnati. Nice comeback victory for the White Sox. We'll talk about them moving forward. Get to what Liam Hendricks had to do down at his minor league assignment in Charlotte. Want to stick with the Cubs for a moment, Bruce, because Matt Mervis's debut came on a day where Justin Steele was again the best pitcher of the National League. Right now, you can say that, and it's no exaggeration. He leads the league. In ERA, his last 14 starts, he's not he's he's given up two or fewer runs. It's the best run a Cub starter has been on since Jake Arrieta. We remember how special that was between 2015 and 2016. And Justin Steele getting it done. They've got a homegrown ace on their hands. And as you pointed out, with Amaya and Mervis in the lineup, you've got to feel good that both of those things happened on a day where Justin Steele was dealing as is looking very familiar on the mound. He's just somebody that, boy, very consistent Bruce and seems very unfazed by his success. Are we making him into Sandy Koufax yet or not? 
or Dick Ellsworth no. or I don't think I okay. said that, Bruce. I said no, Jake no, Arrieta. I'm not, I'm not That's about as much way. of a comparison statistically that I would go. But he's he's something else. Well, again, uh, the record. I'm trying to think the record for a left-handed pitcher for the Cubs, who's won the most games. Uh, in recent memory, uh, there haven't been a ton other than John. You know, uh, so would would you just say coming through the organization uh, again, thinking about a great left-handed pitcher? Uh, there haven't been a ton. In, in recent years. There aren't many examples. John Lester comes to mind, and, and obviously he, he was he was somebody developed elsewhere, came to the Cubs and made history. I think Justin Steele, what makes it even better is that he has come up on uh, – he's an example of, of somebody that they have developed and is, and is becoming and blossoming into a dominant lefty at the major league level in front of us. And so – what he talked about post-game was that after this remarkable run to improve his record to 5-0, and and as I said, 14th straight start, allowing two runs or fewer, he talked about staying consistent. Um, I mean, for me, it's just remaining consistent in what I'm doing on the day-to-day basis and then, you know, going out there and just giving the team the best chance to win. That's all I'm really trying to do, and, you know, I feel like I'm doing a good job of that right now. And... Afterward, Bruce, I know that you're a big Twitter guy. Uh, Marcus Stroman and Jamison Tyone, they were able to go to their Twitter feeds and call him one of the best pitchers in baseball. I think they were maybe either their teammates, they're supportive of him, but boy, that, um, that's respect. And I think that he's developing a lot of respect for obvious reasons and Justin Steele coming into his own right in front of our eyes. Yeah, you go back to last summer. Uh, there, there's an extended streak of games where he hasn't given up more than three runs. I mean, it, it's it's pretty incredible. And uh, he's as modest as you could imagine. Doesn't love talking about himself. Really nice young man, but not, not a big fan of uh, blowing his own horn and talking much about it. But uh, when he talks, you know, you, people listen. And uh, he is a, a young pitcher that... Uh, at this point in time, David, uh, if the All-Star game came tomorrow, would he be the starting pitcher for the National yes. League? Yes, he would start for the National League. I think that's a pretty uh, – that's maybe lo- local bias, but I think he's has deserving credentials. Yeah, I think that Justin Steele in the All-Star game is something that we can – expect what do you think 312 644 67 67 who does Justin Steele remind you of Cubs fans who does Matt Mervis bring to mind in your memory bank what do you think of when you watch Matt Mervis at the plate the big strong left-handed power hitter have the Cubs ever had anybody like him come up through the system I don't know that there has been anybody like that since Mark Grace and he wasn't a big power hitter what do you think we want to hear from you your thoughts and opinions. Also, we want to talk about the White Sox, Bruce, because they were 5-4 to four winners in Cincinnati. They come back to beat the Reds. But you know what? The biggest White Sox-related story this week and Friday involved a minor league pitcher right now. Liam Hendricks made his debut for the season on Friday night in Charlotte against the, uh, for Charlotte, and he threw nine pitches. He got through one inning. He topped out of the velocity, was 93, I think, miles per hour. But, Bruce, just on the mound was a victory. To see him you know, go through a, a scoreless uh, seventh inning was even better. 
remarkable recovery by Liam Hendricks. Yeah, a, a great recovery by Hendricks. And uh, just such a, a terrific story. Uh, <clears throat> when you uh, hear him talk about, um, you know, going out there and then having the, uh, the fans and then both teams cheering for him, it's, uh, it's pretty memorable stuff, you know, to, uh, to see a guy like this, uh, you know, feeling that type of vibe coming out from the crowd. Well, when he talked at Guaranteed Rate Field the other day, there were players and coaches in the back room, uh, background of the, of the room as he gave his press conference and talked about, you know, striking out cancer, as his T-shirt implied. And it, there's not a better story in baseball right now than Liam Hendricks on his way back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which was diagnosed uh, last winter. And so he came back, and he's on the mound. And to hear him talk after last night's outing, after returning to the mound triumphantly, was really something to hear. Here's what he had to say. Through my warm-up pitches, and then they, they made it a, a PA announcement, and both teams kind of got out and started, like, clapping, which is which is, don't get me wrong, it's really, really nice, and I very much appreciate it. Maybe very emotional, but I'm a guy who pitches on anger, and it's really hard to get angry when you know that the other team's full of nice people that would do something like that. So that was that was a little tough to get locked in, and then uh, being wet, I slipped on the first pitch, and uh, then had to kind of finagle my mechanics a little bit just to make sure that I was getting it getting it down there all right. But hey, a clean inning is a clean inning with a scoreless and a strikeout, so that's always good. Liam Hendricks, Friday night after his first inning of 2023, nine pitches. His, he had a strikeout, did not give up a run. And just to hear him talk about something he's doing on the mound, Bruce, inspiring. It really is. And, uh, you know, Hendricks is such a uh, big-hearted guy along with his wife, you know, with their foundations and uh, fundraising and just uh, – such a direct individual. I mean, uh, you know, honest as the day is long, doesn't hold anything back. I, I love people like that. He's <clears throat> told me of, on a few different occasions, you know what, I don't, I don't like the way you ask this certain question, you know. Um, and <clears throat> I, I don't like, and, and, you know, we've had some really great discussions about his job, my job. So he, he's, he's the reporter on the other side, you know, he's, He's doing his due diligence as well and informing people like myself, hey, uh, you know, and this was during uh, COVID, you know, uh, where we were still doing a lot of Zooms, you know, so uh, it, it got a little wonky at times. But uh, he, he, he's just a terrific individual, terrific pitcher, topping out 93 yesterday, still has a little ways to go, but it's not, it's not too far down the line here that we'll be seeing him pitch at the guaranteed rate. It was great news at the end of a good week for the White Sox. They've won four out of five. Are they back? 312-644-6767. We'll discuss that. We'll talk Cubs. Bruce, we're going to talk to Gavin Sheets from the White Sox. We're going to have a Cubs player from Wrigley Field at the top of the hour. We're going to talk baseball because it's been a very busy and eventful week in Chicago baseball right here on Inside the Clubhouse. When we come back, we'll talk to Gavin Sheets. Reminder to horse racing fans out there, if you are betting the Derby, if you are watching the Derby, Forte is a scratch. We announced that at the beginning of the show. It's big enough news to let you know if you are a horse racing fan, Forte is a scratch from the Derby, so you know. But we're talking baseball here because that's what we do. 
52-ish weeks. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. A year from 9 to 11 on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. You said something, you've said a lot of interesting things so far in camp, and you said what you told the team was something about how important spring training is and how you can't win a World Series in spring, but you certainly can lose it. So what does that entail when you say that and what happens on the fields as a result? Oh, it's just uh, effort, effort, details. Um, that's, what I, that's what I mean. I mean, it's, it's all, go ball, come on, go ball, go ball, yeah, baby. Um, she just hit a homer. What do you think about that? I love it. Anytime we score, I like it. <laughs> She's just hit a homer. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. David Hall, Bruce Levine until 11 o'clock. That was Pedro Grafol in-game interview with Chuck Garfine talking about Gavin Sheets hitting a homer. We're looking forward to talking to Gavin Sheets shortly, talking White Sox, Bruce, because they are uh, on the way back, presumably, maybe. Possibly. They've won four out of five now after a comeback victory over the Reds in Cincinnati. Good victory for the White Sox. Elvis Andrews with a big hit. Luis Robert with a big home run. And also the way he ended the game, nice defensive play, doubling the runner off first base. Bruce, what do you think? Is this going to be the beginning of a little mini White Sox resurgence? Well, they've won, as you said, won four out of five here. And, uh, you know, winning the – out of three from the Twins was a was a pretty big deal for them, you know, the way they were reeling and hitting that long losing streak. Um, I, you know, I, I guess we have to go back and talk about the changes that they made uh, at, at the beginning of the week. And, eleven uh, of them? All eleven? Eleven roster moves. We're, 11, we're only here till yeah. eleven o'clock, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> eleven roster moves in one day, which was unbelievable. Okay, so. Um, uh, the the shakeup brought back guys like Colome and uh, Billy Hamilton, so that that has the fingerprints of both uh, of Rick Hahn and Ken Williams over it, saying, "Well, let's go back to the guys that we knew we could count on, uh, you know, over the last year or two, that were uh, good clubhouse guys, that were stabilizers at what they did, and uh, they brought uh, they brought them in uh, the the." The biggest news for me, David, was Colas being sent back to the minor leagues. Yes. Okay, because this was, <clears throat> hey, the organization said he's ready. We think he's the everyday 
right fielder. Uh, to his credit, uh, Grafal never said that he was going to play every single game, but that he was going to play a lot from spring training on. And uh, we found out that he has power, he has ability to hit, he has ability to run, but that uh, those skills were not quite at the level where they needed to be for him to be an everyday player. And let's talk about the newer right fielder now. And without Oscar Colas, they'll have to rely on the power bat of Gavin Sheets, who joins us now in the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Good morning, Gavin. How are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. We were talking about this week that the White Sox have won four out of five. Looks like things may be headed in the right direction, and this is a big week for everyone. Let's talk about your conversations with the White Sox, whether it was Pedro Gafol or anybody else, after the 11 roster moves the other day, which I think will maybe see you more in right field, maybe see a little bit more of you in the lineup. What was your interpretation of those moves, and, and what did they say to you after them? Yeah, you know, I think that, that I'm definitely going to get a little bit more opportunity. Um, obviously came out of the gate swinging the bat pretty well when, when Eloy went down and um, – you know, I, I think that, you know, the, the biggest thing for us is that, you know, we're, we're playing good baseball again. Um, you know, we're playing as a team, we're playing hard, and uh, we're putting some really good games together as a team. So um, that's the most important thing, and, and it's been a lot of fun to be a part of. Gavin, the, uh, the clubhouse, the White Sox clubhouse has been analyzed, overanalyzed, uh, and, uh, you know, looked at since last year, you know, basically to see, you know, what the hiccup has been for the Chicago White Sox. In your opinion, uh, can reporters really get a sense and a pulse of what a clubhouse is all about by their time in there and by, uh, you know, sensing what happens before and after games for a minimum amount of time? Because I know there's, there's an awful lot of connection between players in clubhouses that we never get to see. Or. Yeah, it's it's tough for for reporters and people, media to to get a full sense. Um, you know, obviously they're in there for a small sample size, and and when they're in there, all the players know. Um, but I will say that I think that you know you can see during a game the the difference in you know the last six games and and the difference in the the, the games before that. You know, there's there's energy back in the clubhouse. There's there's a uh, anticipation to to win every day, um, and it's. You know, it, it's what happens when you bring guys like, you know, obviously getting Tim back is huge, but you, know, you bring guys like Billy Hamilton up and, and uh, Alberto gets back off the, the IL. And, um, you know, that's guys like that that you need in the clubhouse that really pull everybody together and, and really bring a, a different energy to the dugout in the clubhouse. So take us back to Sunday. You guys are in the midst of a 10-game losing streak, Gavin, and it looks like it's going to be 11 really soon. And then you have the ninth inning and then the comeback and then Andrew Vaughn hits the walk-off. It just felt like that was a very cleansing moment. And I don't know how much you can point to one moment in a season. And certainly, you know, it's a long season, so momentum can be a myth sometimes. But just in that moment, as you were staring at an 11th straight victory, the relief that must have provided when you saw Andrew Vaughn finish it off with a home run. <laughs> It's the uh, it's the closest thing to feeling like you want a playoff game as possible. Um, you know, it, it it's it, you're absolutely right. It's it's one of those times that that hopefully you look back in the season and say, you know, this is our turning point. Um, it's funny because 
like when you're in an 0 for 30 slump, you, you can never get a, a hard hit to, to break the streak up. You, you get a blooper, you get something something that's out of the ordinary, and, and that win was certainly out of the ordinary for us. And, um, you know, to score seven runs in the ninth inning to, to come back and beat the best team in baseball, it's it's one of those days that you feel like maybe this is where it all turns. And, um, you know, obviously to come back and have a great series against Minnesota and, and start the series against the Reds really well as well. So, um, yeah, I hope that that's, that's certainly a day that we look back at the end of the year and say this is this is what turned everything around for us. That's the voice of Gavin Sheets, a right fielder for the Chicago White Sox. It's inside the clubhouse with David Hall and Bruce Levine every week, mostly every Saturday, two weeks out of the year talking baseball. Gavin, uh, when you uh, when you when you look at your club right now uh, and you look at um, the teams that you had to play, you ran into some very hot teams along the way. Nobody makes excuses. You have to play the schedule out. But um, what, where do you think? Where do you think the club is really at after that tough stretch? I mean, I, you 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 can't say always say you have easier teams to play right now, but you kind of do uh, for the next week right. or so. Uh, how, how do how do you think those things even out? Yeah, you know, I think that you know, well, well, two things happen. Obviously, we our schedule is very tough in April, and we're playing teams that are all playing really good baseball right now but you know and and many people know the importance of tim anderson but we didn't have our shortstop um for a lot of those games and um so obviously we weren't at full strength going against them and um so that that plays a factor in as well but you know the biggest thing for us is is we need to we need to take care of this month of may and and bounce back and um be at full health and and play the best of our ability and, and do what we've been doing these last five games so hopefully that'll turn things around and and we'll get going and um you know, obviously it'll be a different type of baseball for us. What's the key to staying positive when you're going through the kind of adversity that the White Sox experienced in April? It's it's the whole thing. You know, obviously you gotta you gotta pull everybody together. Um, you gotta just you know you gotta be as good as teammates as possible um, because you're all going through it together. And, and as soon as you break up as a team, that's when it all goes down. And fortunately, we didn't we didn't break up as a team. We probably got stronger through this and. Um, you know, every every team's going to go through it at some point in the season. You know, obviously ours was early in the season, so it shows up more. But um, you know, everybody's going to go through it, and hopefully for us, we went through it early, and now we now we get stronger as a team and and go forward. You know, uh, even though you're a, still a young player, Gavin, uh, you've shown a lot of leadership ability uh, on this team. I remember. When Jose Abreu was uh, close to getting into a fight, you were one of the guys to uh, stand up for him, be there, and also keep other people away. Um, where does that come from? Is it just your upbringing as a uh, baseball player growing up in a in a home where your father was a, a longtime major league player? Where, where does that leadership and fellowship come from? Yeah, definitely. You know, obviously growing up with my dad, um, you know, understanding the game, understanding the importance of, of being a good teammate, being a good clubhouse guy. Um, and then through my times at, at, at Wake Forest, um, you know, being able to be a captain there and, and just learning some, some what it takes to be a leader in the clubhouse and, um, you know, how to do things the right way. And, uh, you know, obviously obviously we have our, our veteran guys that are leaders on this team, but, you know, my, my job is to, to be a good clubhouse guy and a good teammate as well. And, um, you know, understanding that and, being able to be there for for the guys and um, obviously, obviously holding Jose Abreu back was was a a memory that that you're not expecting as a rookie. But 
um, right. no, just moments like that, just, you know, being ready to, to do whatever it takes to, to be a clubhouse guy and a, and a good teammate. Gavin, before we let you go, you're a pretty aware young man, and, and I want to get your take on this because at Wake Forest you mentioned, <laughs> I wonder, did you ever play against Matt Mervis at Duke because he's the guy who made his major league debut on Friday for the Cubs, and when he stands at the plate, I did think about, boy, you know, Chicago, both Chicago teams now have a, a big, young, left-handed power hitter, and, and the, the, the comparisons are obvious. Both of you guys played in the ACC. I wonder, did you ever play against him? I think you may have one season overlapping. Yeah, I think I think we had one season overlap. Um, so I, I don't know too much about him, but I, I was watching the game yesterday and, and was able to see him get his debut and, and get his base hit. So, um, no, obviously it's it's an exciting time for for anybody in in the baseball world when you're going through that, and obviously rooting for him and um, pretty cool to see him get a hit his first or first game. And uh, yeah, it's, it's fun to see obviously a guy from the ACC make it up and and live out his dream as well. So. Um, pretty cool for him and excited for him. Uh, Matt, I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Gavin, when we, uh, when we uh, look at the White Sox in total and we see Robert now in center, we see Anderson at shortstop, we see the Staples back. Uh, is that the consistency that you guys look for as uh, teammates as well for the team to be playing the type of ball that you want to? Absolutely. You know, you, our lineup gets really deep um, when you throw Tim Anderson back in it. And um, obviously when those guys are healthy, you know, Robert and Jimenez are healthy and hopefully get Yo-Yo back soon. And, um, you know, our lineup gets extremely deep and, uh, you know, it becomes a, a very, very dangerous lineup that, you know, you're, you're, you're on your P's and Q's all the way one through nine. So um, obviously we, we know that this team runs through those guys and um, when they're healthy and, and we're rolling, it's, it's a deep and dangerous lineup. Before we let you go here, Gavin, last night Liam Hendricks was on the mound at AAA, made a very uh, courageous comeback, pitched one inning of scoreless relief, and just having his presence. I know he was out at the park the other day. I know that he's on his way back to Chicago eventually. What does that mean to this clubhouse potentially? Yeah, first off, it's, it's an incredible story. Um, what an incredible comeback, and, and for him to, to beat cancer first and foremost is is incredible and and to to be ready to go back and, and play baseball so quick and um no it just shows the the kind of guy he is and, and his resilience through all this um but obviously you know when you talk from the baseball side too it's you know it's, it's a closer the reliever of the year you know type player coming back for for two years and so um it, obviously from a team standpoint it makes us a lot better as well um you know it deepens our bullpen it it allows guys to, to move up everybody up an inning and um so oh, it's 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 two sided. It's it's one an incredible story and a great guy to get back in the clubhouse, but two, it's it's uh it's an unbelievable talent that we're getting back. Um so it's 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 a it's a win win for us. Gavin, always appreciate your time and professionalism. Best of luck for the rest of the season. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Gavin Sheets, White Sox outfielder, designated hitter, first baseman. A little bit of everything, Bruce. They're going to be relying on him now that Oscar Colas has been sent back down. They need some pop from the left side like every team. Yeah, they do. And, uh, you know, he's coming along. Not an easy role to be off the bench, in and out. Uh, but uh, he's shown, you know, that, that power that's there. And he's had some huge hits for the White Sox over the last couple of years. It's just going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, uh whether or not down the road, uh, you know, he is the answer for them there. 
Does Colas come back, or do the White Sox get back into the trade market? Where does he Where does he bat in the lineup? Where does he play? What is the What do the Cubs do with their lineups? I think we should talk about the managers for a moment because they've been receiving a lot of scrutiny as usual. It's part of the job, but David Ross. Uh, addressed that yesterday bruce you were there and we'll talk about it when we come back it's inside the clubhouse chicago sports radio 670 the score i think the scrutiny should always be there right like am i doing my job the best of my ability that's for everybody else to judge and for me to just try to do the best i can so that's kind of how i approach it i'm out my processes hadn't changed i'd still go through the same um, decision-making processes that I always do. I've got a great coaching staff around me. Um, I've got great players, winning players, and, and we're a really good team. So have we played up to our ability on the road trip? No. Is that my fault? Sure. Sure, I'll, I'll take that. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. That was David Ross on Friday at Wrigley Field talking about the scrutiny that he faces, every manager faces. Pedro Grafal has gotten his share of second-guessing as well for the White Sox. David Hall, Bruce Levine, it's inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Bruce, the Cubs go 1-6 and six on their road trip against teams they probably should not have gone 1-6 and six against. Do you think that the... I, you know, scrutiny is is a good term. Is it's the it, it it applies here. I hear it every morning when we're on the on the Mullen Haw show. David Ross made some moves, made some decisions that didn't go so well, and I think it was not a great five one run games. What's appropriate? What's fair? And what kind of job do you think David Ross has done so far this season? Well, I think David Ross has done a terrific job. And uh, the, the reason I say that is uh, he's breaking some young players in at different positions. He's helped, uh, you know, the, the pitching staff and now the catchers uh, bring young players along that are important players for the team. But more importantly, during the stretch, as you point out, David, uh, this is a failure of the offense. And when, the, when you have a failure for the offense to score runs, then all of a sudden the other weaknesses on the team show up. And, and that means that uh, the, it falls on the uh, bullpen. So the starting pitching, for the most part, has been out, outstanding all year long. The bullpen guys are really good pitchers. They're major league pitchers. Some of them have been around for a long time. Some of them for a shorter time. All of them, uh, you know, pitchers that know how to play the game, but not necessarily starting pitchers. They are going to give up runs sometimes, okay? That is just the, the case. Nobody nobody has a perfect bullpen. Uh, if you do have one, you're going to win a world championship most of the time. Uh, these guys, for the most part, they lost their, these games in the bullpen late. But it wasn't like they were getting clobbered and they gave up six or seven runs. It was one run. It was two runs. And the offense leading into the bullpen showed that, uh, you know, the offense was sputtering and, ha- and still has and still is. And the bullpen is human, and they're going to give up some runs. It's a, uh, it's a decent bullpen. It's not a great bullpen. But other areas get exposed, David, when some areas are not working. And such was the case for the Cubs on this road trip. When you can't manufacture runs or when you can't score in bunches, that is – one of those things that every manager is going to look a little less intelligent or less in tune. But I do think, yeah, it's fair to wonder. It's part of the job. Jed Hoyer addressed that 
pregame on Friday when asked about the decisions that were made on the road trip, and he said they talk about it all the time. He did, you know, throw his support. It's predictable. It's understandable. David Ross, um, I, I think that there, though, there's there's a, a section of Cub fans that believe that maybe they don't get everything that he, you know, every bullpen decision doesn't make sense, or or sometimes the, the decision maybe to bunt in a situation here or there. I understand it, though, Bruce, because the expectations have been raised again. And so when that happens, you're going to be a little bit tougher on the manager. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, look, uh, Pedro Gafal has been only on the job for five weeks. And, uh, you know, people are questioning, you know, his abilities, you know, questioning his calls, uh, questioning bunt calls, bunts not getting laid down. Why were they doing that? Why, did, why were veterans bunting? and bunting them up in the air, uh, you know, chances to win games late innings, not able to do it. I mean, uh, these are all things that fall in the lap of the manager, and you have to be tough to be a major league manager right now. I don't know, and we heard Rick Hahn, you know, defend Pedro Grafal last week uh, when he talked uh, last Monday uh, about the team's failures. I, I don't know that it's it's time to start pointing fingers at, at Pedro Grafal when the team isn't functioning at this level. I will say, and I agree with David Ross, that when, when things are going wrong, a, a manager cannot distance himself from being accountable for what's going on there. Is he putting out there the, the right lineup? Is he bringing in the right relief pitchers? Uh, is he going with the starter too long or too short? These are all things that, you know, baseball fans, uh, media people, Guys like us, David, that cover the game every day throughout a baseball season, we look at, and it's easy to uh, find a culprit. But uh, indeed, when, when these areas are just malfunctioning, uh, some of these other areas lead to uh, other areas not getting the job done and losses. So you can say for the Cubs it was a well, lack of I offense. With- I, yeah. Yeah, with, with with Ross, the the lineups are going to basically write themselves. You got a lot of veterans that are going to play every day. I think one of the in-game decisions are the things that create the most consternation. As a loyal texter, every week is is weighing in. Three one two says, "I think Ross has cost the Cubs at least four games." Now that might be overstating it, but I think that reflects the level of of unrest out there with a team that is pretty good, and you see some of the moves that might not you know live up to or. or uh, defy explanation in the eyes of some very critical Cub fans. And they have a right to be critical, Bruce. Uh, with Pedro Grafal, I look at it a little bit differently. You know, David Ross has been on the job now for – he's an experienced manager. And some of the things that, you know, he does, you you do um, you do probably take that into account. But Pedro Grafal has yet to prove, I think, uh, a lot of things to, to Sox fans in the way that David Ross may have burned the benefit of the doubt with some of them even though the scrutiny continues. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that, Fair. And we'll, we'll continue this conversation. Uh, White Sox-Cubs, uh, I think we'll have uh, uh, possibly a guest or two along the way. David, uh, we'll have our usual chin okay, music. So great. lots of fun to look forward to. Lot to look forward to in the second hour of Inside the Clubhouse. We'll talk Cubs. We'll talk White Sox. We might have a little chin music along the way. Reminder to Kentucky Derby fans out there, if you're going to the window, if you're just interested in 
in uh, the greatest two minutes in sports in, in some people's eyes. Forte, the favorite, has been scratched. Forte, the favorite, after working out this morning, has been scratched. It's breaking news here on The Score, brought to you by BetQL. That's the big news of the morning. We'll continue to talk baseball next. It's inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.